0: All right, so we've been talking about what it means to be set free, and we're going to finish out that series today with set free to transform the world. The passages that we've used in each week is out of Galatians 5, and this week we're going to be talking about Jeremiah 17 as well. So Galatians, Galatians 5, 1, and 13 through 18. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, and do not let yourselves be birthed again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, you will be destroyed by each other. So I say Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And Jeremiah chapter 17, beginning at verse 5. This is what the Lord said. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and his heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland, they will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, the salt land, where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the like stream. He does not fear when he comes, its leaves are always green has no worries in the year of drought, never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. This is the word of God for all people. Thank, Thank you. God. God. The mission statement of the United Methodist Church is... <laughs> the mission statement of the United Methodist Church is <laughs> Making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's the mission statement of the denomination. Is the mission statement, really. I don't know how you get much better than that because that fulfills the commandments that were, that have been given to us to go and make disciples is always about transformation the vision that the gospel of christ calls us to challenges us to, to be about transformation to transform the world in whatever way we can however we can go about doing that see jesus was sent into the world to redeem the world not to condemn it but to redeem it and the kingdom of god is a here and now thing Jesus brought the kingdom of God to us. It's why when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, that's where we pray for our country, and for our community, and for all that, that is in here, because we want the kingdom of God to be kingdom people. The kingdom of God is a here and now prospect. There's a heavenly reward, but it's not just a heavenly reward. It's about now. Jesus is about now kingdom of God is here when he came. He lived and died so that the world would be different. So there wouldn't be the same old, same old. So that the culture wouldn't be. And if we're going to make the world a different place, then we have to focus on God and not ourselves. We talked at length about this last week when we we're set free to serve because that's what that's what that's about. about, looking outside of ourselves, making a difference in our world. And that was the point of concern for the prophet Jeremiah. See, he knew that when we focus on ourselves we end up trusting ourselves and if we do that we lose our way we lose the path because it's no longer about what god wants it's about what mike wants and if what mike wants is not always going to be in line with what god wants i have a battle that goes on inside of me just as you do between the flesh and the spirit they're pulling at me it's the tension of christianity It's the tension of our journey together is why we need one another, and it's also why we study the Bible. We study Scripture to learn more and more about the character of God and who this God is, and and that's where challenging and encouraging you to do that. God is in creation, yes, but He's also given us a great gift of His Word. Trusting in ourselves actually limits our freedom. That may not make sense, but well, what? Wait a minute! I can go do whatever I want if I trust myself. But that's a pathway to destruction that will limit your freedom in the long term. So we're to focus on God. And when we make that move, when we move from trusting in ourselves to focusing on God, I love the the picture that Jeremiah paints of the river. That's uh, how I see it fit. in my mind is is a river, beautiful river, with boulders in it and and a tree planted right beside it. Can you see it's grown up? And, and that's us. We're that tree by the river with our roots running down into the river. How cool is that? That's, that's Christianity. That's, that's what Jeremiah paints for us. When we pursue God, we get back. doesn't matter what comes. doesn't matter what storms come. We are replenished by the water of life in Christ. It's a powerful picture that he paints. So being guided by the Spirit enables us to move, to have a paradigm shift. It changes the world in which we live and we begin to behave and act differently. And we are part of God's mission. So The example that we set helps others to see God through us. So how do we make the world different? Well, we make ourselves different. That's how we make the world different. How do you see transformation? It starts at home starts right here. See, I can't change you. Have you noticed that? Anybody married? Can I get Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy to change another person. But you know the person I can do something about? You. I can about me. I may or may not, but I can. And that's where it starts. So it starts at home. We want to be about transformation. We want to be about the business of God. But it starts with self. We're to be God's eyes and ears and hands and feet in the world. Once we accepted Christ, if you were were immersed and you went under the water, that old man, that old woman, that old boy, that old girl is dead. That life is dead. And when you're raised up, you're raised up into a new life. You are a new creation in Christ. That's what we're called to, being a new creation. To me, not doing things the way everybody else doesn't. And that's the way it's been in the Christian church over the years, martyrs. We have, I mentioned the ones, part of what got me looking at ISIS was looking at martyrs over the ages. and They have always face down principalities and powers, right? Stood up to Rome. Rome wanted, you have to worship Caesar. They said no, and they got put in a ring with a Missionaries all around the world, from old to now, would go into communities and places where where it was darkness, the light of Christ was, was nowhere to be seen, and many of them gave their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I wonder when I when I when I'm preaching something like this, I go, Mike, what would you do? And I don't know. You know. It'd be easy for me to stand up here and say, Well, I would I'd give up my life in a heartbeat. Would I? No, I hope so. I hope so. But it's happening all around the world. Ordinary laymen and laywomen, empowered by the Holy Spirit, become extraordinary in their lives as they make a difference in the lives of others. They help the helpless, the the least, and the lost among us. The orphan, the widow, and the prisoner. We make the world different by making ourselves different. You want to be set free by Christ? You want to be set free to transform transform the world? Here's the message today. We make the world different by making ourselves different through the power of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how that happens. That's the message. I'm going to say it a few more times along the way, but that's the point. We make ourselves different by the actions that we take that either draw us closer to our God or move us farther. Our heritage in the United Methodist Church is interesting as well. I know many of you didn't come straight to you. You weren't raised Methodist. I wasn't me. But when I learned about the theology of the United Methodist Church, I, I like it very much. Because it's about action. You know, we weren't founded to be a church. Did you know that? We were founded to be a movement. There was this guy who was an Anglican named John Wesley, and he was started doing things like meeting with with a small group and, and they held each other accountable and one day I'll bring in the questions that they used to ask each other. <laughs> that we don't really want to know that much about each other. Actually we probably should, but but there's a ton of questions about what are you doing with God? What what's what what is God doing in you? Where did you fall short? What is it that needs to change in your life? How do you how do you draw closer? And they would hold each other accountable. In small groups. They got out. They started visiting people in prisons, which was not commonly done either. They were about social action, about making a difference. Weston would say it's personal holiness and social holiness. See, we're to bring God with us everywhere that we go, and we're to make a difference in the world where we are. And then, you know where that starts? You know. Yeah, right, right here. It starts with us. It starts with individually. And that's how, how it can begin to spread. That's how transformation can start. We weren't founded as, you know, gather together, and let's, let's, let's praise to God and, and enjoy the blessings of God. That wasn't how Methodism started. Methodism, you know we, what, what our social uh, holiness has meant? It's meant schools and it's meant hospitals and it's meant orphanages that were founded by the by Methodists, by people who were raised Methodists. Universities, groups of people went to visit the poor and the sick. I love our nurture community because I can't get out and see everybody. It's not really my job, it's our job together to take care of one another. Lay people going about the business of being the church, operating mission. We, we launched the first war on poverty, came out of the United Methodist Church. We attacked slavery as an injustice used every opportunity to be outspoken about things that needed to be changed, about civil liberty, about human justice, and not critical for the sake of being critical. It's not about personal attack. I see this so much, and it breaks my heart. Christians attack Christians personally. That's not okay. That's not of God. Does God want us to... To go go against and and, and, and to raise up ju- issues of justice in our world, absolutely he does. But it's not a personal attack. We don't attack people; we attack systems that are unjust. When we'll we criticize for the sake of criticism, is that something. And this is a big deal in my personal journey. I, I'll tell you that I've really struggled with this over the years. When we do that, no, it's not good And I know it happens with people. And hopefully we can hold each other accountable in this place to not do that, to not talk about negative about one another, about our country, about our world, about those around us. We're a dissenting people. The Methodists are a dissenting people in the sense that we see what's wrong and we want to move towards fix it. And I love that about the denomination. It's a big part of the reason that I'm. You know that you've been here you've been here a while, you know how what I primarily talk about. It. Mission. Right? Mission. Mission. God has no hands and feet but ours. Be about the business of God inside and outside the walls of this church. That's being the church. That's what we're talking about. Transforming the world in the name of Jesus Christ. And we don't do it through our own power because we can't. But what does happen is that the Holy Spirit is with us and engaged with us. It's a part of us. And that's what moves us. That's what enables us to live our lives in a way that is different from the rest of the world. I'll talk about two two examples of that. There's a woman named Catherine Laws, and her husband was the warden in 1921 of a place called Sing Sing. Sing Sing is in New York. It's a prison. It was one of the worst and most notorious prisons at that time and after they settled in what Catherine did was she decided to do something different she did something that no woman had ever done. she went down to, to watch a prison basketball game in the bleachers with the prisoners and took her three kids with her She sing and you want to carry your light in a dark place <clears throat> That was just the beginning of how she would transform the world around her. She met or heard of an inmate who couldn't see, so she, you know what she did. She went and learned Braille so that she could teach him how to read. Another prisoner was deaf, so you know what she did? She learned sign language and went and taught him how to sign so that he could communicate. That's bringing. You know, hiding under a bushel, no, well, that's, that's what we're talking about. That's letting your, letting your light shine. That's what it is. And then there was a tragedy. It was killed in an automobile accident. So they were going to have the service, and as they were headed out to the chapel, prisoners stood at the gate as the funeral procession went by. Most of them crying. And then they got bold enough to ask the warden, her husband, Can we go to the service? And he allowed them to do so. So they walked the three-quarters of a mile to the chapel and walked all the way back, all of them, without being under guard. That's transformation. That's bringing your light into a dark place. She lived by a different value system than a lot of us. She was willing to put herself out there. Was she willing to die? Apparently. Apparently. It's not safe to sit amongst a bunch of thieves and murderers and, and be the warden's wife. You can see what you put wrong there. Shine your light. It's another group that's near and dear to my heart. There's this guy named Bill Wilson, and, and, and he was a drunk. He was a stockbroker, and he, and he would do well, and then he'd go on a venture and, and, and it went on and on and his wife his life. Louis was very well connected, so so, for, so she would get him a new job and then he would do okay, and then he'd go and drink and get drunk and he'd lose that job. And then he was at home after one of his vendors, he got a call from a friend of his named Eddie Batchett. He said, hey, can I come over and talk to you now? Eddie was his drinking buddy. So he was like, sure, i you know, alone. He in a he's in a little apartment. And so he was like, he got two glasses out, getting ready for, for them to kind of, they were gonna, you know, drink up the last of his bathtub gin. And shows up and Bill offers him a drink and he says, No, no, thank you. He wanted to talk to him about something that he was doing. You see, he had gotten involved with this movement, this group called the Oxford Group, which was a Christian movement. And he wanted to talk to his friend Bill about that because it was helping him in his life. The Oxford Group had four, four principles absolute honesty, absolute purity. Absolute unselfishness and absolute love. Their goal was, we want to live as Jesus would live in, in our life, in this place. So those were their four absolutes, and those led them to, to create a pathway for spirit to be spiritual reborn. And that's what Eddie went to share with Bill. Those four practices were the sharing of our sins and temptations with another Christian. Surrender our life, past, present, and future into God's keeping and direction. Restitution to all those we have wronged, directly or indirectly. Listening for God's guidance and carrying it out. And if any of you have been to a 12-step meeting, you will recognize that those four practices became the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, And then that became the 12 steps that have been adapted into so many fellowships that have impacted millions Evie Thatcher went to see his friend Bill Wilson because he had found a way for his life to be transformed through the power of Jesus Christ. He brought that to Bill Wilson, one of the founders of AA. Evie wasn't. Unfortunately for Evie, he could never stay sober the rest of it. He would stay for 10, 12 years, and then he would drink and then he'd come back and he'd bounce in and out. But cheering back with Bill Wilson led to a movement that as, I mean, I, I can't tell you how I many people, we were the international down of Georgetown, and 56,000 people standing up doing the Lord's Prayer, and the serenity, so open with the serenity prayer, and close with the Lord's Prayer, you want to talk about a spiritual moment? Millions of lives have been transformed because one guy went to another guy and tell him about Jesus. It starts, started with Eddie. His life was transformed. And he wanted to share that with Bill. And he did. And transformation happened. How do you do it? does it start? Here. But it doesn't stay here. If all we do is focus on ourselves, it's a waste. Then it goes out. That's our journey, guys. That's how it's done. That's how it's done a lot of slogans that can't come out of AA. Some of them have been born there, some not. One that's been particularly important for me is you can't keep it unless you give it away. I receive it, and I give it away. You know how it fits over and I work with other alcoholics and have I talk people. I'm involved. With that, but right now I've got one guy who's a pastor in another place. Mentor people. Get involved with people. You want to be able to impact somebody's life? Be in a relationship with them. You can't do it from outside. You've got to be. It's an inside here. First things first. Wow. Expect a miracle. How many of you are in here today expecting a miracle? That's right. Because they'll common Here's the other key to that. It's a different different one. Different slogan, but it's a good one don't quit five minutes before the miracle. (laughs) We surrender to win. When we quit fighting addiction, we win, recovery. Let go and let God. I hated those when I first got sucked. You're going to give me a bunch of platitudes? You know, my life, my life is messed up. I've got all this stuff going on. They pat me on the head, they keep going me. Don't no drink. See, Mom? Just love is today. You know what they're pointing to? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. What this whole series is down. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What we're to be about as a church. Against such things there is no law. There is no law. Being a Christian means allowing yourself to be claimed and formed and shaped, not by us, but by God. So we go to God and say, okay, here I am. Teach me. And he says, read my book. Join with my people. Pray every day, all day long, as much as you can. Let me into your life and watch what happens. Watch what happens. we are put on this difference to make on this earth to make a difference in the world. To be set free to transform the world. I have this picture. I say I have three that have been. But I have a picture of what we can be as Christians. If we'll set aside the victory. if you're gonna bicker with each other, No, know Paul said, right, in that passage, watch out! They devour one another. Have you seen that in church, where they devour one another? It's painful, But to be set free is to be set free from the law. When we're about the business of the Spirit, the law stuff doesn't, doesn't drive us. Too often we get into the rule, the Pharisees were good at this, I'm excellent at this sometimes, I've been studying scripture most of my life, and I encourage you to study scripture, but please don't do what I used to do. Take it and use it against other people. Telling them, you need to do this, or you need to do that. What that says, what it says about who I used to be is I didn't trust God. I thought that I had to defend God because He's not big enough to defend Himself when it comes to things like doctrine and those types of things. You know where I am that? I think God can do a pretty good job of, of defending Himself when it comes to those things. I think that God is involved in our hearts. I can't move a heart for God. So this picture that I had us letting go of the stuff, of the self-focused stuff, where it doesn't matter what we, you know, what songs we do or what That stuff, let's set that aside so that we can be about the business of God. The freedom. See, a lot of what we do in the church is focused. We do, it, you know, why we do it because it's what we want. We, too, we rarely ask the question, okay, now what do you want us to do? My vision is that of a place where you, that's not the case, where we might, you might come in and we may not do any music. You, you might come in and it might, we might just be all of your friends. Who knows? but so when we move out of the way and we let the Spirit move us, anything can happen. But as long as we've got limited, it won't. Set free from the law so that we can be about the things of the Spirit. So let's pray about what that means in this place. I know what it means. But it means something. People come exactly as they are, and we don't, we meet them there. We don't ask them to change, we, we meet them there, and we let them be who they are. We trust that God will help them change. We build a relationship, and if I build a relationship with you, now I can have that conversation about, you know, maybe you need to you know, let's work on that. Lovingly correct. But if you don't have a relationship with me, and I don't have a relationship with you, I won't let you lovingly correct me. There was a woman caught in adultery. Most of us know the story, right? This is out of I don't really. A woman caught in adultery. So then they bring her before Jesus to sit there and He's drawing the same. And they tell him, "Rabbi, she was caught in an act of adultery." Our scripture says that we should stone her. And he was right, that is what Scripture said. You know Jesus' response, right? You that is without sin, cast the first stone. And they dropped the stones from the oldest to the youngest, and they went about their business. And he after who accused him one more you're accused. Jesus said, like, No. Well, neither do I accuse And he says, Go and sin no more. And the man that I used to be, the one who was so worried about just the keeping the law and keeping the, my understanding of Scripture and defending God, would say, Aha! But he didn't say just go. He said go and sin no more. As if that ended the argument. See? And then this week, I got this thought. I was like, okay, what do you think would have happened if they brought her back the next week and she'd done it again? What would Jesus have done? Kill her. Go ahead. I told her one. That's She's done. It, right? Hmm. Now, my thing. Do you know what you we were done? Whoever among you in the last week doesn't have any sin. Why are you going to pick up a stone and throw it? Then he walked off again, and he just said, Well, maybe it rang a little bit, but, Well, I know this is hard for you. But I really, really do. go and send them all. Peter came to him at once and said, Should I forgive seven times? Which was for that age of era extravagant. And Jesus you know what Jesus said? 70 times 7, which in effect would say you just forgive. It's not like you go 478. <laughs> Almost there! <laughs> my wife does that <laughs> <laughs> And it's one of the hardest things in my Christian life to live after the things. Because I want rules and I want regulations and I want to know what they are so that I can follow them and get it right. You know what Jesus did with that stuff? He turned it upside down and he said, I came to fulfill He did not do away the scripture. We're serious when we say study scripture. We need to know more about the character of God. But so he turned it upside down in the understanding of scripture. And That's why one of my fears for us in the current church is that we can get too locked in the Scripture, study, 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 but don't let it be legalistic. Don't then take it and hit somebody else on the head. with it. Being set free to transform the world requires us to be out of the things. And Paul tells us if we choose not to do that, if you bite and devour each other, Watch out! Watch out! You will be destroyed by each other, as usual. Uh,